The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Foot First Podiatry. Painful bunions, then it's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. For more information about the Sklar Bunionectomy, visit footfirst.com. And by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sportscaster and Her Son, where sports bridges the gap between the generations. I'm your host, Peggy Kaczynski, 12-time Emmy Award-winning sportscaster at NBC Chicago for 17 years, and I am the baby boomer. My son, Jason, is not with us for this episode. He has a very busy week of classes in his freshman year at UT Austin. But you can check out Jason's work for DeWindyCity.com and GoJoBruin.com, the ultimate site for UCLA Bruins football. Jason and I are two generations apart, but we both share a love of sports. Oftentimes, I get to talk about the athletes I covered while Jason... Gen Z, uh, is all over today's young athletes. In this episode, I get to remember one of the football greats, Chicago Bears Hall of Famer Gail Sayers. He passed away in September of 2020 at the age of 77 from dementia. Now, for my generation, I did not get to see him play. We were of the Walter Payton generation. He was typically who your fathers and uncles and grandfathers would talk about while we watched Bears games. He was their favorite running back. Sayers was inducted into Pro Football's Hall of Fame at the age of 34, the youngest player ever inducted. His career was cut short due to injury, a torn ACL and MCL, and yet he still rushed for over 1,000 yards the season after his injury. Yet, his career was over at the age of 26. Sayers was a sight to be seen. The great Hall of Fame linebacker Dick Butkus was drafted back-to-back with Sayers in 1965, the two of them taken with the third and fourth overall picks. Butkus said he never came up against a running back like Sayers in his career, including O.J. Simpson, adding, no one could touch this guy. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell said Sayers was one of the game's most exciting players, electrifying and elusive. And Chicago Bears Chairman George McCaskey spoke of Sayers' rare combination of speed as the game's most electrifying runner, dangerous kick returner, as well as his relationship with teammate Brian Piccolo, which many of you know from the movie Brian Song. McCaskey said it so well. The movie's message 50 years later that brotherhood and love need not be defined by skin color. Gail Sayers was a sight to be seen. Five-time All-Pro, averaging five yards per carry for his career. Twice he led the league in rushing. 4,956 total yards, once scoring six touchdowns in a game. 39 touchdowns, primarily all over the first five seasons because he played so sparingly in 70 and 71. It was a joy to watch the films of Gail Sayers. It was like poetry in motion, so many people would say. And it truly has been wonderful to hear so many people reflect 
on one of the game's greatest running backs and return men in the history of pro football. Well, you can't talk about Gail Sayers without obviously talking about the movie that has made more men cry than any other, and that is Brian's song. But what you need to know about the movie is before there was a movie, there was a book, and it was called Brian Piccolo, A Short Season, written by an amazing woman who was a trailblazer in Chicago, an accomplished journalist and author, first female sportscaster in the city of Chicago for television. This is from Folks, we're talking about this is back in the 70s, right? And she yeah. was the first woman to report from the live from the Super Bowl. She wrote the book, Brian Piccolo, A Short Season. She is Jeannie Morris. And this is the book in which Brian's song is based off of. And Jeannie is so kind to join us right now on the podcast. Jeannie, welcome in. Thank you for taking the time to join me. Well, thank you, Peggy. It's great to talk to you again. I haven't talked to you for a while. I know. I love it. You know, and people should know Jeannie is a mentor to me because I, by many people, think that I'm a trailblazer in Chicago. And I always correct them and say, no, Jeannie Morris is the true trailblazer. <laughs> so, and much more accomplished. Um, Jeannie, let's let's go back to the 60s and the 70s. Um, mm-hmm. the, the Chicago Bears back then. You had intimate knowledge of the team. You worked closely with them because your husband at the time, Johnny Morris, was uh, a player for the Bears. Mm -hmm. How did you come to get to know, let's say, Gail Sayers? Well, you know, football, the the subculture of professional football, which you're pretty familiar with, uh, I gained a kind of uh, uh, viewpoint of what it was like as a wife of a player for 10 years before I ever started writing about it or went into television. And uh, it still fascinates me. And it did then. And uh, Gail, of course, was drafted. Uh, not sure. I think Johnny played with Gail maybe one year. Uh, their, their, their careers crossed over not very long. But Gail, but when I started doing television uh, and we started writing, I spent more time uh, getting to know the players. And so I would meet every new rookie one way or the other. And uh, Gail was, of course, the Kansas Comet, got a lot of attention. And uh, I would, I remember trying to interview him and he really wasn't a real good talker. And so I got acquainted with his wife, who was a speech of a gal. And uh, I remember doing a story where I had to work around. It was a workaround where Linda did most of the talking and Gail did most of the running. <laughs> so it worked out real well. You know, you can do that with TV. You know, substitute the visuals for the audio sometimes. Right. And vice versa. So what what was your impression of him? Was he was he quiet? Was he? Yes. I, he was a very quiet guy, right? Very quiet. Yes. And uh, and as all players are, and you've probably worked with him enough to know, uh, kind of insecure about his work, even though he was brilliant. Uh, and he um, and this is where Piccolo comes in because Brian Piccolo was his backup and uh, the bears decided that they'd never had black players and white players room together on the road. And he says, there's, Oh, I can handle him. Come on. Yeah, sure. We'll be roommates. And 
Brian really brought Gail out. Um, he really helped him he helped him fill out and have a really more social aspect to him when it came to the team. He mm-hmm. was very quiet. He was uh, he he did all his uh, he did all his drama on the on the field. But um, that's not unusual, really, with young players. But he he was a little more reserved than most. Wow! I even in Gail Sayers' later years, he was always a very quiet man. So Mm -hmm. the story of he and Brian Piccolo becoming roommates, was it uh, more drama for the big screen or was it really an incredible story in and of itself that, that made you want to talk about it in the book that you wrote for Brian Piccolo, a short season? Okay, well, let me let me give you a little. Do you want a little history here? Yeah. I have to correct one thing. That movie was not based on my book. What happened was um, Brian was in the hospital. You know, he had what's called embryonal carcinoma, serious, then fatal cancer. It's now curable because of the money that, partly because of all the money raised by the Brian Pickle Cancer Research Fund, and so. When Brian was in the hospital, Joy, his wife Joy, was telling me all the time the worst thing about it for him was he was bored to death. He couldn't stand being bedridden and so on. And so I called him one morning. I was in the West Coast visiting my mother, and I knew it was later in New York where he was at Sloan Kettering. And I called him, and I said, Brian, Gail's writing a book. I was writing a book called I Am Third, mm-hmm. and Brian has given him hell for it. He said, how the hell can you know what to write about your life when you're 26 years old? Mm. And and I said, and I said, so Brian, why don't we just write a book and, you know, screw Gail, you'll write a book. And so Brian said, you know, I've actually been thinking about writing something. And so I, I think maybe what happened, Peggy, was I flew back to New York to Sloan Kettering maybe four times on weekends and interviewed Brian. And um, and then when he passed, um, Joy said to me, Jeannie, do you think you could do anything with those interviews? And I hadn't even listened to them. And I said, I don't know. I've never written a book before. Maybe, maybe I could. And so I started listening to the interviews and all his humor and how clever he was and how loving and warm, you know, he was, a, we were socially good friends with the Piccolos and used to, you know, party with him after games and mm-hmm. stuff. But I got a whole different view of him when doing these interviews. Well, at the same time, Gail was had finished up his book with a guy named Al Silverman. And once Gail was in New York meeting with Al, and he said, let's go see Brian. Brian was at Sloan Kettering. So Brian and, and uh, so Gail and Al went over and visited Brian, and Brian sat there and just totally blew Al Silverman away, just totally entertained him. So Silverman said, you didn't hardly talk to me about, you know, your roommate. And Silverman went ahead to write a whole chapter about their 
their relationship. And that chapter of Gail's book was excerpted in Look Magazine. Your viewers probably, your listeners probably haven't ever heard of Look Magazine. Anyway, <laughs> Look Magazine and uh, the screen screen gems bought the rights from Gale Sayers. Not, I had nothing to do with the movie. Wow. But uh, the main thing the movie did was put my book on the market because Gale's book wasn't about, you know, mostly about Brian and Gale. So. The Look Magazine article stimulated the movie interest, and um, they went to Gail and bought the rights from him. Screen Gems got hold of my book, and it got sent to almost every sports writer in the country. Mm. And so they assumed that the movie came from my book, but it didn't. I always thought it did. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Well, it's no wonder you thought so, because they get related in the press all the time, but that's the way the story really happened. So explain the 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 basis of this relationship with uh, Brian mm-hmm. Piccolo and Gail Sayers. And you already mm-hmm. said Gail was very quiet and mm-hmm. Brian had a much more gregarious um, personality. Them being roommates together, what was it truly like for them? And was it really a big deal? Because we're talking about the 70s and this is the first interracial roommates in the National Football League. Yeah, I know. And segregation was just, I was shocked. I grew up in California and grew up in a family that was, you know, totally, my mother said, everybody around us, we're all peasants and we're all alike. So don't worry about it. You know, we had no, no, we had no problems with race or anything else as a child. And so, but when I came to Chicago in 1960, it was, uh, I was shocked that for example, when the Bears went to an ex- played an exhibition game, say in New Orleans or somewhere in the South, the black players couldn't stay in the hotel with the white players. And I remember Johnny telling me that, and I was just floored by it. I couldn't believe it. But that's the way it was, and that was in 1960. You mm. know, I mean, that was yeah. it's not ancient history anyway. Right. But so it was quite a thing when in 1968, I think it was, I, I don't remember exact dates when uh, they to start rooming together, and Brian just loosened Gail up. You know, he just, he grew up in Fort Lauderdale, Brian did, and he had played football with black people before, <laughs> and he was just completely at ease with them, and he made Gail feel at ease, and it was really quite a um, chemical, wonderful chemical kind of reaction between the two of them. And, and he teased him unmercifully, you know, because he was played behind him. Mm-hmm. He said, why don't you just freaking break your leg or something? Huh, Gail? <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> now, there was, you know, I, I remember, I remember reading it at one point where um, they didn't, they did not get along. Was that true that they really did not get along or was it a matter of they were closer than uh, people, you know, let, were led on to believe? I I do not know of anything about them not getting along. I don't know that. Yeah. Story. Yeah. But I do I do know that virtually every celebrity I've ever heard of has lies about them going out over the airways. You know? Right. So I don't know. I, I don't, if they didn't get along on any on any level, I don't know about it. 
I love this uh, quote that I found um, that Gail Sayers said, um, uh, my first two years, he, speaking of Brian, wasn't fun to be around. He would tick you off because he always had a joke. It wasn't my nature to be that way, so I guess I didn't like it at first. And then Brian Piccolo, in your book, Brian Piccolo, A Short Season, is quoted as saying, one guy I wasn't impressed with, personality-wise, was the Kansas Comet. <laughs> the Kansas Comet, Gail Sayers. What an arrogant son of a bitch. I didn't see him speak yeah, to a soul right. the whole week we were together. So it's really, listen, we're talking about the first interracial roommates. It's, it's, right, this is not normal for a lot of people. So, I, no, you know, I know, right? I know. I, I know. And I also, another thing is when I got there to, in, in Chicago in 1960, the black players' wives weren't seated with the white players' wives. Oh, my goodness. And, and I went to this guy, this Rudy guy that was in charge of this sort of thing at the Bears, and I just said, this is ridiculous. you got to let, let us all sit together. And he said, okay. <laughs> so, you know, it was different. It was different. Really? Gosh, Mm -hmm. it's just, Mm -hmm. it it amazes me. Does it amaze you now that 50 years later, Jeannie, 50 years later, this topic is still relevant? It it does, but there's something about that story. Um, You know, I've been living in Seattle. I'm back in Chicago now, but I was living in Seattle for about 23 years. And one time Gail came to give a speech there and a friend of mine I was working with on television there and he wanted to meet Gail Sayers. He, and he said, if you come with me, you can introduce me. And I said, okay. So I went to listen to Gail who gave a speech, which he wouldn't have ever been able to do that in the years I knew him, but now he did. And uh, he said in his speech that uh, when he goes uh, around the country talking that all he's asked about is Brian Piccolo and the relationship. Mm. And it's because that movie had such resonance with men. And my book stayed in publication for 25 years. Mm. And the publisher told me that one of the reasons is that young men were assigned it and read it. (laughs) And it wasn't the movie anymore. Now it was the book, but it really resonated with young men. And so it became very popular, you know, throughout the years back to our conversation in a minute. But first, have you ever dealt with bunions? I have. It got to the point that I couldn't even wear any shoes without having shooting pain. Even at night, I couldn't even pull the covers over my foot. It hurt so bad. It didn't matter if I was wearing slippers or boots, gym shoes working out, or heels for a night out. The pain was intolerable. I finally decided to do something about it. That's when I heard about Foot First Podiatry and their exclusive procedure, the Sklar Bunionectomy. It has you on your feet the day after surgery. Are you kidding? Well, I had to see it to believe it. And you know what? They were right. Surgery was easy. I am so glad I did it. I walked out of surgery in a boot, no cast, no crutches, walking the same day. And you can be back in a gym shoe in two weeks. When I look at my foot now, there's no visual scar. And best of all, I am pain-free. So ladies and guys, don't walk around in pain like I did for years. Visit footfirst.com. And now back to our conversation with Jeannie Morris. 
as Gail Sayers got older after Brian Piccolo had passed, mm-hmm. did did his memories of his relationship, did it change? Did he become more, you know, understanding the effect that it really had on so many other people and maybe himself as well? Do you know? I I think so. I, I think so. Although I wasn't, I was not around Gail uh, after he was out of football. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me to make a judgment about that. So I don't, I don't really know, but, um, but I, but for, judging from that one day that I heard him speak in Seattle, I would say yes. He re rethought his relationship and gave it much more value than he might have at the time. It was just he was just speaking. Someone hired him to come and give a speech. Oh, that speech that you said that you had not heard him do before. Oh, okay, right. okay. Mm-hmm. So the but that the, speech that he gave at that uh, yes that uh, memorial was one that uh, uh, Ed McCaskey, who was a wonderful guy. Uh, I'd like to say a few words about a guy I know, a friend of mine. His name is Brian Piccolo, and he has the heart of a giant and that rare form of courage which allows him to kid himself and his opponent, cancer. He has a mental attitude which makes me proud to have a friend who spells out courage 24 hours a day, every day of his life. Now you flatter me by giving me this award. But I say to you here now, Brian Piccolo is the man of courage who should receive the George S. Hallis Award. He's mine tonight, and Brian Piccolo is tomorrow. I love Brian Piccolo, and I'd like all of you to love him too. And tonight, you hit your knees. Please ask God to love him. Was one that uh, uh, Ed McCaskey, who was a wonderful guy, uh, the current president of the Bears' father, mm-hmm. uh, helped Gail write that speech. Ed was very, very supportive of the Piccolo family all through that ordeal. So Ed McCaskey, the wife, the, the husband of Virginia McCaskey. Correct. Helped Correct. him write the speech, which is the one that everyone remembers Billy D. Williams doing in the movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, and Ed McCaskey was always had such a great way with words. He was a. Oh yeah. He loved to he sing, and he loved to. Yeah. He just had such a special way with words. That's the first mm-hmm. time I heard that. It's such an incredible mm-hmm. speech that um, w- when you saw the movie. How did you feel about it? Did you feel like they did it justice or was there more drama and, and kind of, you know, they tweak things to make it a better movie? Well, just as is always, I betcha always true because I've never had anything I wrote made into a movie before. But uh, I so there were a lot of inaccuracies in the movie, mm-hmm. you know, the way people were portrayed and stuff. But it didn't really matter because the essence of it was really true. And I remember going to the um, opening, the premiere of it at at the theater here and with all the bears. It mm-hmm. was just a private screening. 
And I sit behind, sat behind, uh, I see Dick Butkus and a couple of other big guys. And uh, they're all crying. Oh, oh, oh my yeah. gosh. Wow. This is a guy cry movie. It, and it still is. It still mm-hmm. is. It is. There is something about it, the story that resonates with, mm-hmm. you know, football players who are big, burly, supposed to be out there, you know, inflicting pain and, you know, damage on other people. And yet the human emotion of relationships and life and death is, um, I mean, you just, it's amazing. It's overwhelming. Yeah, mm-hmm. it really is. Jeannie, mm-hmm. what do you want people to remember? Um, well, let's start with, with, with Gail Sayers. What would you like people to, to know and remember about Gail, Gail Sayers? Well, you know, uh, I I think if, if, if you're comparing football players, of which there have been many great ones, uh, but Gail had... Uh, we used to call him magic, <laughs> but you know, he, he, he did things that no one else I've ever seen before since has done in terms of his athletic ability. He was just a great, great running back. He could make, it seemed like he could make turns in the air like a ballet star, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, or, or maybe Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. <laughs> his fantastic moves. Um, and so I think that that is, is the thing I remember about him most. I was really, I didn't really know Gail very well, but because he was, I remember once he had a big party at his house and everybody had such a good time there, but I don't remember Gail even hardly talking. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, I don't remember. I just don't remember him being a participant, you know, right. in things, in socially. And so the significance of the relationship with Brian Piccolo, the significance of being able to tell the story of, you know, maybe, maybe standing back and taking a look at uh, a team in, in a way that you're not always talking about the X's and the O's. It, it's so significant sometimes to be able to look at that and, and see the story and really, you know, make it important to people and, the fact that you were able to do it with, with Brian's book and um, the movie was able to do it about their relationship. It just, I don't think this is a, a story that will ever be told any better than the way it has been through your book and through the movie over the years. It's just been really, really phenomenal. And it, it just kind of hits everything that sports is all about. Well, it does. And it's true. It's not made up. Exactly. You know, right. One of my one of my favorite all time favorite football fiction stories, although a lot of had a lot of truth in it, is North Dallas Forty. Do you remember that? Oh story? yes, ever, with Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can call it a game, or you can call it a business. <laughs> yeah. Is it a business or is it a game? Yeah. You know, uh, and uh, and uh, but. And that was Peter Jentz, uh, that came from Peter Jentz's book, I think. But it was a a great story. But you're right, because the thing is, it was true. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely true. And and the the tensions in it, the racial part of it, Mm -hmm. wasn't, was true. But um, 
also the absolute, uh, what would you call it, barrier breaking because of Piccolo's personality and his insistence on Gail, you know, come out, coming out of his shell. Um, that's true too. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the, a wonderful kind of personal feeling that people can get from the story. It's so wonderful. And I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join me on the podcast. I want people to know that the Bears have republished your book this year, Mm -hmm. the 50th anniversary of the death Mm -hmm. of Brian Piccolo. It is Brian Piccolo, A Short Season. It's available on the Chicago Bears website, chicagobears.com. You you can also reach it through the NFL's website as well. Um, I also want to tell people that please, uh, if it's in your heart, feel free to donate to the Brian Piccolo Cancer Research Fund as well. They have done some amazing work over the years. And, they have. You know, and, and that's, where, that's where all the, excuse me for interrupting yeah. you, Peggy, but that's where all the, all the money for the book is got. Oh, my from gosh. From the beginning. Wow, I didn't know that. From the, yeah, from the beginning. Uh-huh. That's really wonderful. And when you're done so, reading Brian Piccolo, A Short Season by Jeannie Morris, feel free to also pick up I Am Third, Gail Sayers' autobiography as well, and you'll get a really nice, well-rounded idea of the relationship between these two men that uh, suited up for the Chicago Bears. And mm-hmm. both of them are gone now, and Jeannie, we're very grateful that you were able to help us um, kind of reenact what, what we missed over the years and the stories around them. So thank you very, very much. You're welcome, Peggy. And thank you. And once again, I apologize for being late on your show. (laughs) Oh, you're never, do not worry. It's a podcast. It doesn't matter. There's no being late anymore, right? Thank you, Jeannie. Be well, okay? Okay. Thank you, darling. Sorry, we do not have any of Jason's predictions this episode. We will check in with him, though, on the next show. But I do have some final thoughts. When remembering Gail Sayers, I can't help but recall covering the Bears' greatest return man ever. The game's greatest return game ever. The greatest. Devin Hester. He once told me that he doesn't see uniforms or defenders when returning kicks. Rather, he sees colors. He was the most dynamic player I have ever covered for the Chicago Bears. Everyone held their breath on the kick. No one knew what to expect, but many came to expect touchdowns every time. He forced teams to change their kicking game. Playing eight of his 11 NFL seasons with the Bears, Devin Hester was the most prolific return specialist in league history, holding NFL records with 19 kick return touchdowns, 14 punt return touchdowns, and 20 return touchdowns, which would include punts, kickoffs, missed field goals, fumbles, and interceptions. A three-time Pro Bowler and part of ESPN's All-Decade team. Devin Hester played in a different generation, obviously, than Gail Sayers. And yes, he heard all about the Kansas Comet from reporters who were constantly comparing him to Sayers. Or maybe from his dad, who was a big Gail Sayers fan. Hester reminds me of Sayers off the field as well. Very humble, quiet, shy. They did their talking with their feet on the field. 
2022, Devin Hester is eligible for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. There's never been a return guy to be elected to the Hall of Fame, but there's never been anyone like Devin Hester. Remember Gail Sayers' impact on the league in only seven seasons? He was a running back and a return guy. Yes, a halfback and a return guy into the Hall of Fame. You have to look at Devin Hester changing the game of football in the eight of his 11 seasons playing for the Chicago Bears. In 2011, Gail Sayers was quoted as saying, Devin Hester deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. No doubt about it. And I have to agree. Our thanks again to Jeannie Morris. Remember, you can get her book, Brian Piccolo, A Short Season, available now on re-release on the Chicago Bears website. And Gail Sayers' autobiography, I Am Third, available on Amazon. The movie Brian Song from Sony Pictures, available for rental everywhere you get your movies. Our thanks to the Associated Press and ESPN for stats and facts about Gail Sayers. And great news, we are now a member of the Barroom Radio Network, home to some of the best Chicago pro football podcasts you can listen to. It's found wherever you listen to your podcasts, as well as the Barroom Network on YouTube. Don't forget, you can find our podcast, The Sportscaster and Her Son, with our website, as well as on Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest, too. Thank you all for listening. A reminder, if you love the show, please leave us a review. Go to ratethispodcast.com slash sportscaster and follow the simple instructions. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Stay safe. Goodbye. The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, electrically connecting our world. And by Foot First Podiatry. It's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No visual scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. Visit footfirst.com.